Welcome to A Higher Branch, a source of practical and powerful information for busy people dedicated to boosting their personal health and professional performance. I'm your host, Sam McCall. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of A Higher Branch and it is part two in a series that I will be covering over the coming weeks which is taken straight out of our workshops and events. I hope you pay attention, it's going to be highly valuable and I promise you it will cause an absolute revolution of transformation in your life if you follow this system that I will be sharing with you. Before we kick off this week's episode, I want to announce that I'm giving away a complimentary one-on-one coaching session with myself for two hours. To win, simply head over to iTunes or Spotify or your favorite podcast portal and leave a review and rate our podcast. More information will be provided at the end of this podcast. Sit back, relax and enjoy this week's episode. First, I want to just uh, make this point that... I have come across many successful people on my travels, and they all have one thing in common. They live life with a sense of freedom. They do not defer their happiness for the sake of making money. They develop an attitude that money will eventually come their way if they live a holistic, complete life. They wake up every morning and do the simple things consistently. They eat well, they exercise, they spend quality time with their family, they are cons- constantly learning and improving, they love their work, they have fun with their friends, and they are kind and generous. You see, they create wealth before they create money. And living a holistic and happy life is their wealth. So I wanted to start this podcast up front with that message because a lot of people walk around thinking that, you know, a successful life is something that just happens by accident, depending on where you were born, who your parents are, what school you went to, what university degree you got, what's going on in the world. And you got to ignore all that noise because success ultimately comes down to systems, life systems. In my last podcast, I made the point that we have systems for working, we have systems for learning at school, at university, but no one ever teaches us a system for living. And that's what I started in last week's podcast, where I made the argument for you not to rely on motivation when it comes to living a great life. And I called it the motivation trap. So today, I want to kick off what I call the 456 system that is a great supplement to motivation, but does not rely on motivation. So if you have motivation, you wake up with motivation one day, great. If you don't, then you will stay on track, rain, hail or shine. So it's, the system is made up of four rituals, five habits, and they are designed to systemize your life. So it's all about repetition and automation. Not just in your personal life, but also in business. I I say that a well-drilled team will always outperform a motivated one. How many times have we seen that on the field in sport? So it is about repetition and automation. It, It is about automating the stuff that you need to automate in your life. And then you fill in the blanks with all the other spontaneous stuff. But don't rely on spontaneity alone to live a great life. Spontaneity is the stuff you fill in. It fills in the blanks. 
But the solid stuff, the stuff that you need to be repeating every day, that has to be automated. And this is what this 456 system is all about. So what are the four rituals? Today, I'm going to cover the first one. And these four rituals should occur. Three of those rituals have to happen in the first hour of the day. And the same three rituals happen in the last hour of the day. The fourth ritual, which I will bring to you in a future podcast, happens throughout the day or can happen at any time. But I will talk about that ritual and what I think are the best segues in which you perform that ritual. But first, let's focus on the three rituals for the morning and the three rituals for the evening. Now, with these rituals, I say in the first hour and the last hour because each ritual should take you 20 minutes each. However, we don't have perfect mornings. We don't have perfect evenings. Sometimes we're rushing around. And I don't want you to give up on these rituals simply because you don't have an hour in the morning, an hour at night. So I want to give yourself the permission to say, well, I'm going to do these three rituals and give them equal time, but whether that's five minutes or 20 minutes. You see, when I'm in a rush in the morning, Sometimes I will perform this first ritual I'm telling you about in just four minutes and I still get the same impact. And I'm going to tell you how to do that a little later. But look, I, I don't want to keep you hanging about what, uh, what these um, three rituals are. I'll talk about the fourth ritual another time. But these three rituals are something that you've heard. But the order in which you should do them and the way you should do them is what I'm going to cover. Because I know you've heard of movement. You know, we call it exercise. I know you've heard of meditation. I know you've heard of journaling. Now, I know there's lots of memes out there and quotes that, you know, get you excited in the moment. But I'm going deep into each one of these rituals to show you how they're actually performed so they will have the most optimal benefit on your life. And as I said straight up front, successful people don't rely on motivation. They rely on these systems. They wake up every morning and they do the tough stuff. They do the stuff that nobody else will do. So the first ritual that I want to take you through is the ritual of movement. And it's the first thing that you should be doing in the day. And a lot of us make excuses to abandon a ritual. Don't blame yourself too much. We are hardwired to crave easy stuff. We are hardwired to crave food and comfort. Now recognize this and let it be your cue to fight the urge for comfort and for easiness and go for growth instead. Every time you think to yourself, no, I don't feel like doing that. I want that to be your trigger for tenacity. All the research shows that delayed gratification is the key to success in all areas of life. You study hard, you graduate. You work hard, you outperform the competition and make more money. You save and invest your money, you have more freedom later in life. You put in the effort in your relationship, you end up having more intimacy and a bond and a marriage or a partnership for life. You exercise, you have better health and energy as you get older. Simple as that. You stretch, you get more flexible and supple. You eat live unprocessed food, you build healthier cells in your entire body, including your eyes and your skin. You learn new things and meet new people. You get a sharper mind as you grow older and bolder, as Carl would tell us. Rarely does anything good in life come easily. You need to put in the conscious effort, but that makes it all more sweeter. I promise you, when you perform the tough stuff and you get it done consistently, the success that you will feel is sweeter. Trust me, 
Anything that comes easy in life will not be savored, will not be appreciated. So let's focus on movement. Now, in the morning, I want to share with you my morning routine and how I kick off this first ritual of movement. You know, we all have our own routines when we first wake up. When I first wake up, I smile. I then go and brush my teeth and more importantly, my tongue. The next thing I do is I go out, whether it's winter or it's summer, I stand barefoot on the grass and I face the sun. Now, I'm not talking about facing the sun in a religious context. I face the sun and I usually wake up around sunrise and I've trained my body to wake up at sunrise. I don't even need an alarm clock. But facing the sun and bathing my eyes and my my face in sunshine first thing in the morning triggers so many chemical reactions in the body. And I won't go through that in this podcast, but it's the routine that I follow. After that, I then go inside and have a big glass of warm water with a squeeze of lemon juice. And if it's autumn, I will sprinkle some salt to help me absorb that water because we tend to have trouble absorbing water in autumn. Okay, so that is what then prepares me. Now, the other thing that I learned from David Goggins, when I wake up, the first thing that I see next to my bed is my workout gear, my runners, my t-shirt, my jumper if it's winter. As soon as I have my water and I come back into my bedroom, I look at that and I'm wired, wired to put that on. So from there, we kick off the ritual of movement. Now, movement in the AM is different uh, to the movement in the PM that I'll talk to you about. It should be different. Remember, this ritual has to happen in the morning, the first hour and the last hour. But let's talk about the AM. It is absolutely critical to start your day with movement. Now, anything from a four-minute Tabata routine to a 20-minute jog or cycle or swim or whatever gets you puffing and sweating. Now, there are some people that do 30 minutes, 45 minutes, 60 minutes, And that's fine, okay? And I'm going to talk to you about where exercise and where movement can become bad for you. But to each their own. Everyone is a different body type. So I'm suggesting 20 minutes. But it's up to you if you want to go longer. Now, exercise is best in the morning when your cortisol levels are highest. Now, when I say exercise in the morning, I should specify more intense exercise where you tax your body a little bit more than what you would do at night, but not too early in the morning. There are a lot of experts who preach early morning exercise, you know, the 5 a.m. club before sunrise, but the science shows that this is not the most optimal time. The optimal time starts at sunrise and peaks around 7 to 8 a.m. Exercise later in the day should be milder because your cortisol curve tapers off and it tapers off for a good reason because that is your circadian rhythm that is the earth's rhythm telling you that you need to prepare for rest and sleep so what type of moving should you do well moving is just like going hungry it's natural you need to listen to your body every morning and adapt the length and intensity to suit but there is never any excuse not to do anything as i said earlier if you are not feeling really up to it or you're running out of time you can still muster the effort to do a brisk walk even if it's like a 15 minute walk you'll be surprised by how much it lifts your mood and energy but here's the number one rule the best form of exercise is the one that you enjoy think competitive sport think dancing or training with friends in fact i can tell you that 
Science consistently shows that dancing is the best form of exercise, not just for your body, but for your mind and for your emotions. The second best and most natural source of movement is walking, jogging, or running. We are genetically wired over many thousands of years because that's how we moved. We did not have gyms. We walked. We hunted, which entailed jogging. We sometimes ran in short bursts to catch our prey. And this is science talking, okay? I believe in creation, but I also believe in the science and what it tells us. So generally, the shorter the time you have to exercise, the higher the intensity should be. When you don't have much time, do at the very minimum, as I said, a four-minute Tabato routine. But never, ever skip moving in the morning. So why is exercise an important morning ritual? Well, we live in a world where people rarely sleep straight through the night. Our mind is racing as soon as we wake. We can be confrontational and edgy in the morning. And our energy crashes and burns around mid-morning or mid-afternoon. Exercise neutralizes these abnormal afflictions. Most people think that exercise is just for the body. Its biggest impact, however, is on the mind. Science tells us that when you are in motion, your mind is on fire. All parts of the brain are active. This kickstarts your cognitive engine in the morning and keeps you mentally sharp throughout the day, which means you will perform tasks faster at work and you will get more done in less time. And that means you can spend more time with your partner, family, and friends after work. All exercise also impacts your emotions in a profound way because it changes your body chemistry. It replaces adrenaline and cortisol, which is your fight or flight chemicals, with dopamine and serotonin, which are the inspiration and calming hormones. Now, these are the neurotransmitters you should be running on all day. Not adrenaline, not cortisol. And it all starts with morning exercise. And these, coincidentally, are the you know, neurotransmitters, dopamine and serotonin, which helps you live longer and look younger. And who doesn't want that, right? And it's exercise. It always comes back to exercise. Exercise also kickstarts your metabolism and stimulates your lymphatic system for immunity. Now, especially when you exercise in the sunshine without wearing sunglasses, exercising in morning sunshine also promotes a deeper and longer sleep that same night, would you believe? And Dr. Matthew Walker's research from Berkeley University has shown that time and time again, that exercising in sunshine promotes deeper sleep. And this is a topic that I've covered in the past, but I'm going to have a special podcast just on sleep to give you the definitive guide. So sticking with exercise, in fact, exercise in conjunction with sunshine and sleep has been proven to be more potent than Prozac as an antidepressant. So because remember that sleep is the ultimate superpower for your overall health, but it's synergistic. Exercise, sunshine, promotes sleep. And sleep then promotes better exercise in the morning. So they are all interrelated. Now, before I dive deeper into the science of movement, I want to cover why is it, why is it important to exercise before the two other rituals that I'll be talking to you about. And they are the rituals of meditation and journaling. You see, if you try and meditate or journal on waking without first moving, you will have trouble calming your mind. Your mind is no match for adrenaline and cortisol that surge through your system when you first wake up. You're going to be edgy 
You're not going to be able to sit still, let alone focus on the breath. We are hardwired to hunt and gather on waking. So we need to respect this natural circadian rhythm and get moving. We need to also respect this cycle by eating low-carb meals in the morning, if anything at all. And I'll talk about that in future podcasts, but you need to focus on moderate amounts of carbs during the day. So in the first part, it should be a high protein and around midday should be predominantly high protein. Think substantial salads, chicken, fish, meat, or if you're a vegan or vegetarian, you know, pulses and nuts. So as you then progress through the day, that's how you start boosting your your amounts of uh, carbohydrates. And the most carbohydrates should be consumed in the last, as the last meal of the day. So this is all from the latest research, which turns everything upside down that we've been told over the years about carbs in the morning and protein at night. That completely needs to be flipped the other way. So at night, think sweet potatoes, pumpkin, broccoli, and as much as possible, try and stay away from pasta, pizza, and bread. So it's this sort of carb cycling it promotes healthy cortisol levels. So after you move in the morning, you will find your body gets calmer and your mind clearer. And these two qualities are the perfect prerequisites for journaling and meditation. And I will talk about those two uh, rituals in the next uh, few podcasts. Now, I want to return to the subject of exercise or movement and can it be doing more harm than good? In other words, I want to answer the question, can exercise be bad for you? And the answer is that probably yes, you are doing more harm than good if you are performing the wrong kind of exercise. And this is the exercise that a lot of people are indulging in at the moment. I know this sounds shocking, but it's the truth and somebody needs to call it out. You know, whenever I talk about this up on stage, I get criticized by, you guessed it, gym junkies and gym owners. Exercise programs, personal trainers and gyms are a huge fad and big business is cashing in on people's insecurity, guilt, and uh, FOMO. So ultimately, I go back to the science. So what does the science say? The science says this, number one, and this is a summary of my research into this. Exercise causes inflammation. Increased oxygen utilization causes increased oxidative stress from free radicals. This damages the heart and other organs. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who is praised as the best bodybuilder of all time, had to have heart surgery at the age of 49. Number two, exercise can cause addiction to carbohydrates and cause prediabetes. It destroys your discipline to eat the right food because of the body's natural craving for carbs after the wrong workout. Number three, exercise can cause adrenal fatigue. Number four, exercise can cause premature aging. I've met many long distance runners in my time and I can tell you that they look a lot older than their actual chronological age. Biologically, they prematurely aged. Fifth, the wrong types of exercise damages the joints. Number six, exercise can lower your immune systems and gyms are a breeding ground for bacteria and viruses. Research shows that people who work out in a gym get sick more often. Lastly, exercise, and this is something I've witnessed recently, and that is exercise can cause you to neglect your relationships, much in the same way that working too much in your job does, right? So how many 
times have you heard of people that are gym junkies neglecting their families and their partners? It happens. The Japanese believe that the heart has a finite number of beats. The back has a finite number of bends. And the cartilage in your joints has a finite number of shock absorptions. And once you've reached your quota, your individual quota, your body begins to fail. So I know this may sound as a shock and it sounds like it's anti-exercise, but I'm talking about movement, not exercise. And they're two different things. So before I go deeper into that, I want to answer the question, is exercise good for your body shape? Because this is why most people exercise. So I want to cover that before I move on and get to the point that I want to make, and that is what is the right type of exercise. But if we don't cover this point, then people will stay addicted to the wrong type of exercise because people chase a certain body shape. And movement isn't about chasing a body shape. Movement is about having good health and being happy. As I said up front, it's about your immunity. It's about your cognitive performance. It's about your emotions. Most people think that exercise is what brings their body back to its original shape. But this is simply not true. Your body is shaped by the type of food you eat, how much you eat, and when you eat. I've met bodybuilders who eat so much junk at night. Now they're, they're absolutely ripped above the waist, but they have a pot belly, right? So your body shape is not determined by exercise. It, well, maybe in a 15 or 20%, but 80% is determined by, as I said, the food you eat, how much you eat, and when you eat. Ultimately, your body does not like to be overweight and out of shape. Your organs are primed for bringing you back to your equilibrium. So they have to work overtime to process unwanted food and inevitably will store it as fat. Over the years, this takes its toll on your organs. If you eat just right, the body will naturally return to its original shape without the need to belt yourself in the gym and exercise in the wrong way and this will also boost your immune system and your energy levels because you have taken the pressure off your organs right so when you eat properly when you eat the right amounts and at the right time of the day i want to repeat that it will actually boost your immune system and your energy levels because you've taken the pressure off your organs now don't get me wrong okay i believe in physical activity as i said it's great for your mental and emotional health and I went on a tangent to talk about food because I, I want people to know that's what determines your body shape. But returning to movement as the first most important ritual of the day, it has to be the right type of movement for your mind and for your emotions, for your thoughts and your emotions. So, but here's the thing though, before I go on, most physical activity promoted by gyms and personal trainers is not fun. It's a workout. It is stressful, not just on the body, as I listed seven reasons shaped by science, but also on your mind and your emotion. You think about it, if you're in a class, there is this pressure of keeping up in a class at the gym, coupled with body shape insecurities. Who wants to finish work and go do more work at a gym? It is all work, and too much of it causes the stress hormone cortisol to surge through your body, especially for those people who work out in a gym after work. It's just probably the worst thing that you can do for your body. Research emphatically shows that physical activity is only good for you 
if you are having fun doing it. Let me repeat that. If you are having fun doing it. That's why I love sports. That's why I love dancing because it is social. As I said earlier, dancing is the best exercise on the planet because it is a play out, not a workout. That's why Zumba is so popular, right? It significantly reduces cortisol and gives you a surge of dopamine and serotonin. It Again, I want to repeat, you need to play out, not a workout. You know, running around the house playing hide and seek with your kids is a great play out. In fact, cooking and cleaning the house is movement. Even if you don't enjoy it, at least it has an added benefit for a healthy cooked meal and a clean and tidy home. The same with gardening. So the right type of movement comes back to how it makes you feel if it makes you smile it is fun if it makes you grimace then you know it's a stress on your body it's that simple now i know a lot of people say well there's no pain there's no gain and that's just so 80s i'm sorry (laughs) there is a difference between fitness and health and happiness the healthiest and happiest and longest living people on the planet don't have gyms they're in blue zones such as sardinia And I forget the name of the city in Japan. These are people who have never set foot in a gym, but they move. They move throughout the day. And you know, most people who fall into the trap of working out in a gym, and I I call it thrashing it out because they thrash their bodies, because they think it's the great way to an awesome life. So they use that single modality to identify themselves to create an identity it's such a one-dimensional identity to have the truth is that there are other more effective strategies for living high energy with excitement a sharp mind strong self-esteem and purpose and yes it does come back to the areas of life that i covered in the last episode but i pretty much cover in just about every higher branch episode but i'm going to list some of the things that really can give you that awesome life because for those of you who are listening right now or disagreeing with me saying no dude working out is my life it's my identity you're going to have an identity crisis when you injure yourself and you stop working out. You're going to have an identity crisis if your partner leaves you because you've become a gym junkie and you've started to neglect them. I don't want you to have an identity crisis. I don't want you to think of movement as working out in a gym, which puts a lot of stress on your body. Now, I'm going to go through with you 11 things that I have listed that makes for an awesome life. But before I do so, I just want to cover the movement that should occur later in the day. To be honest with you, the only movement you need to do at the end of the day is a 20-minute walk, a simple 20-minute walk with a friend, with a family member. And if it's not that, maybe it's gentle yoga. Maybe it is during the summer months when the sun is still up, some gardening. But ultimately, for me, the best movement at the end of the day is a simple walk, you know, a 20-minute walk before I sit down and meditate and before I sit down and journal. And those two things I will cover in the next two podcasts, and they will compound and build on this first daily ritual that is essential for you to live a system-driven life, an automated life, which you can then fill the gaps with beautiful spontaneity. Now, let me finish by going through the 11 things that I think are the gateway to an awesome life and will help you define your identity more holistically. 
Number one, and this is a lot of this is based on a lot of research. This is 30 years of research, many books that I have read and listened to, and I've really summarized over the years in my journal. But number one, go out, have fun, and socialize more with friends and family. Now, I'm going to be presenting a podcast shortly on the art of having fun, but all the research shows that socializing is the second most important thing determining longevity. The 11th point I'm going to make with you is the first that helps you live a long life. But let's go in order. Number two, stay away from toxic people. I've talked about this in the past. In fact, I recorded a podcast last year about how to identify toxic people. And I talked about how to avoid toxic feelings and toxic thoughts. Number three, eat less, eat in season, eat 70% green, eat slow and eat with gratitude. Number four, stop feeling guilty. If you do indulge in what you think is an unhealthy snack, at least enjoy it emotionally. Don't dump on yourself. It does far greater emotional damage to dump on yourself than the physical damage of eating that snack. These, what we call unhealthy snacks, every now and then feeds us emotionally. But it has to be every now and then. And it has to be a treat because then we savor it and we enjoy it and we appreciate it more. It's just human nature. We appreciate scarcity a lot more. Number five, schedule intimacy with your partner. Never stop dating them. Number six, for God's sake, sleep more. Wake at sunrise and have naps on weekends. Number seven, get more sun on your eyes first thing in the morning and on your body on weekends. It's the best medicine for a good night's sleep, your mood and your immune system. Number eight, keep reading, listening, learning and developing a growth mindset. Number nine, work with people or for an organization that who challenges you and want the best for you. You don't want to work in a job where you slip into a comfort zone and you are not sharpening your mind on a daily basis. Trust me, you don't want that. Number 10, don't watch or read the news. It promotes a fear mindset. Trust me, you would rather be uninformed than misinformed. Lately, because of the COVID pandemic, I give myself permission to read 60 seconds of the news only and 60 seconds only. And I choose my source very carefully, but that's it, 60 seconds. That is all the time that I'm prepared to give to uh, news media. 11th, and this is the first reason research tells us why people live the longest. Make alone time to daydream, to meditate, and to pray for what you want in life. Visualization is a very powerful and underrated pastime. And this is something I'm going to talk to you about in a future podcast where we're going to do a deep dive. Now, to win that one-on-one coaching session with me for two hours, head over to iTunes or Spotify or your favorite podcast portal and rate our podcast and leave a review. The best review will be selected. After you have done that, email us inquiries at ohiobranch.com and we will match your review with your email and contact you for further information.
On that note, thank you for listening to another episode of A Higher Branch. I hope I've presented new information that you have not heard before or maybe information that you know but presented to you in a new way that is thought-provoking and helps you make change in your life. Ultimately, my lens is to help you make positive transformations in your life and to help you achieve health and happiness. As always, live consciously, my friends. It is the only way to have a great life, trust me, where you are in control of your thoughts, actions, and your feelings. Stay well.